Welcome to the Rock of Bay County, Florida, where our vision is to be a multi-generational gathering, moving as one body to bring the glory of Yahweh to this beautiful county and to all the earth. We hope you are encouraged and blessed as you listen to this message. I feel like we're starting to move as a tribe into a place that is, uh, we have to be completely comfortable with the uncomfortable. I heard Buddy's voice. Welcome back. Welcome back home. Good to hear you. Good to see you. Um, could someone help me? I, I don't want to embarrass myself and try to pick this speaker up and not be able to do it myself. <laughs> Just move that back or out of the way is fine. <clears throat> But I believe we're, we, have, we have moved, and I believe I've made this statement before, but I, maybe I'm speaking more to myself than I am even you, but we have got to start to be more comfortable with the uncomfortable. We can't be a house, a, a people that, um, that are so introspective and so dependent on ourselves and our ability to perform something or do something or have church or make a good vibe or an atmosphere to change something. And we need to start to just trust Holy Spirit in what he's doing. I, I think we make this statement often, or I do, about whatever, however, whenever. Uh, Pastor Ben spoke last week and he was talking about prayer. He talked about the Lord's Prayer. And it, it's such a challenging concept, if you think about it. We, we, we say this prayer all the time. Uh, people have, religion has, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But most of the times that we pray that, what we're praying is that our earth becomes a little bit more lean towards my biases, that, I, that it, it, it fits me better, and it looks the way that I want everything to look, and it, and it lines up the way I think everything should line up. But what he's saying is I want heaven to come to earth. You see, the, the difference, there's a shift in thinking. It's not that I'm just, things are good. It's not that just everything's settled and there's you know, nothing to worry about. It, it means that, I, I, I've said this statement, but we need to, we need to pull this one in, is, is that we, he is a God of order, right? He is a God of order. And, and so many people, he is a God of order, and we put that in like military terms. But he is the creator of all creation. He is the most creative being that there could ever be. And if he's that creative, then his order might look like your chaos. Unless you have the right perspective of the Father, if you don't truly have his heart and you're not looking through his eyes, it's hard for you to really have a, have a grasp on what orderly should look like. And I think the idea of being orderly is why we have trouble with a big open field and freedom because a cage feels a lot more comfortable. Someone telling you how to think feels a lot better. And I don't care what side of the line you fall on, liberal or Republican, it does not matter. But if you are subjecting your whole being to that world, I promise you, you are being told how to think. You're being told how to think. And there's a whole group of people that can do that. And that's fine. It's fine, do, do that, but this is a tribe, and these are sons and daughters, and if we ever want to move past just feeling okay, 
and moving into the glory of heaven coming to earth and shifting anything in our culture, then we have to let go of all these cages and boxes that box our mind in, be in this world but not of it. Start to renew your mind. Renew your mind. We've, we've been on this thing for the past few months, a, a journey of revelation, I believe, of setting the Lord before us. I'm going to mess with people today. I'm messed up, so you get messed up. How about that? Of setting the Lord before us, and it comes out of Psalm 16:8, where David says, I have always set the Lord before me. Because he's at my right hand, I will not be moved. And later on in scripture, it says that David is at God's right hand. So the, the perspective there is face to face. And face to face trips everybody up. It really does because we sing about it. You know, we read about it. But face to face is talking about nearness. And there's two ways that I can think of immediately of how nearness is spoken about in the Bible. Of nearness to Yahweh, it says that he is near to those who are brokenhearted. Right? There's, there's something about when you are at some of your lowest moments, when things just don't take place, don't work out, and you are broken, that there's a frequency in your heart that's pulling the Father near to you. It's not something you have to strive to get. It's not something that you, most people have this need and this desire that Yahweh Almighty God is drawn to. He's near to those who are brokenhearted. But there's also this, this other side that says in, in scripture says, draw near to him and he will draw near to you. Both are concepts of the heart, Right? So one is a brokenhearted thing. You can do nothing about it. And I, I think about my little girl, Mila, who has the most, oh, tender cry and this, this look that gets on her face. And when she's brokenhearted, I'm brokenhearted and I'm running to save her. Yahweh's coming to my broken heart. It's like this trifecta just swirling around. I'm trying to heal her broken heart. He's trying to heal my broken heart. And that's just how it goes. But she's, but there's nothing, there's nothing that, that I just, I, I so, I, I love as a father than to be able to come in in those times where it's at, it's, it's bad, you know? I have so many memories of my mother and my father of times where I, it was the worst thing that could have, my girlfriend broke up with me. My life is over. Like, just go ahead and put me in a box and bury me. I'm done. I have nothing left to give in this world because my first girlfriend has broken up with me. But as a father, my dad doesn't belittle that moment. He doesn't act like I shouldn't be feeling that. He doesn't act like it's not a big deal, and to get over it, he's drawn to me as a father to wrap me up in his arms, and he wants to draw near to me in those moments, and I, as a father, want to draw near to my kids, but I'll tell you, there's also something about a little little child running and jumping up in your lap. Like, I don't need anything. I, I, there's nothing that you did for me. I, I don't, I, there's nothing I need right now, and I'm happy, and everything's good, but I just love you. And I just want to get near next to you. 
And we're moving, I believe, past this need consciousness when we set the Lord before us. So we, it's going to start to shift our thinking from this need consciousness to just a really want, a desire, a flame, a burning, desiring people for the, for the heart of the Father. In so many churches, we're, you know, the hospital. And I believe that that's so good. There's a place for that. But I believe that really we've been, my message here, the source and not the solution. Like that we're to point people towards the source. That the best thing for someone who's broken to see is to come in here and feel a house full of life. A people that can't, not going to give you this theology, theology, expect you to be a certain way. Setting the Lord before you, being near, is not about something you qualified for. You ready? If you're a lesbian, if you're gay, if you were drunk last night, if you're a little drunk this morning. I'm just trying to cover all bases here, all right? Zach's looking a little lethargic this morning, and I just... I want to get to his heart too. If you're voting for Joe Biden, if you're voting for Donald Trump, if you're confused and you don't know what you believe, face to face is for you. And there is not a qualification. There is not a qualification that you could have to get face-to-face near to the Father. There's not, it does not say all of you who are sanctified and love Yahweh, y'all draw near to him, and then he'll draw near to you. No, he says, draw near to me. I'll be there. And oftentimes we think it's so difficult to get to a loving Father because religion has told us that we have to check every single box and look exactly like the good old Christian to really feel like we've made it. To really feel loved. And he loves you unconditionally. One of the greatest revelations for me is from my wife when she was going through, I tell this story a lot, but when she was going through a time of confusion and, and just she felt like she was good with Yahweh and then everybody got all on this revelation train and she felt left out. And she had no, I was not seeing the things other people were seeing. I was not swirling and going crazy like everybody else was. And I, for the longest time, just praying in the spirit in my kitchen or walking around was enough. And I felt so close to Yahweh. But now I'm starting to think maybe, maybe I'm missing something because these people are seeing images on the wall and these people have angels flying all around them. And I have no idea all of a sudden me cutting onions and, 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 and feeling close to Yahweh is not enough. But she steps outside one day, and she felt so distant from Yahweh, so confused about who he was, about there being this love of what what kind of revelation she was supposed to have, and she did the most incredible thing. Yahweh, I love you. Bam! It hit her so hard, she started to walk with the assurance of who she was and what he actually desired in the first place. There are mysteries in the kingdom, my friends. You can't be about a spirit realm and a spirit world and not think that there are mysteries and there are crazy things that can take place and that people do see things and that all of that is great, but it is, it, though all of those things should point you right back to the source. Back to when I created you, I wanted to walk with you in the cool of the day of the garden. That's it. 
That's it. But we want to overcomplicate it because I saw this. You should be seeing this. And if you didn't see it this way, then you don't have Yahweh. And that is so contrary to Abba Father. When you set the Lord before you, there's three things I believe need to shift. I think a lot of things, but three specific ones that I've started to talk about. When you become face-to-face, and when I, I'm just going to keep saying it. I mean, when you stick your hands in the air and say, I love you, Yahweh, and he starts to draw near to you, because I guarantee you, I promise you it's that simple. I promise you it's that simple. He wants to invade. He just wants the, the opportunity. Just open up. The, the heart surrendered. A broken heart or a complete heart just surrendered. So when we set the Lord before us, one of the number one first foundational things that has got to shift is Abba. Abba. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the great I Am. He is the beginning and the end. He is all-encompassing. He's the creator of heaven and earth. He is a mighty, mighty God. But most importantly to you, he is Abba, Papa, Papa God. There's nothing that's going to change your heart and change your mind like the revelation of he is Papa God. He is a good, good father. Wrap around presence. Papa God. There are things in the revelation of him being Abba. You, listen, here we go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay this out for you, plain and simple. Here I am in my revelation of God, that I believe in God. This is our journey. There is God. I love God. God is love. And I know God. And I believe in God. Apostle Paul brought us on this journey. Yahweh. I know Yahweh. He is powerful. I have the revelation of his name. There's so much power and greatness, and there is nothing to take away from this, just like there was nothing to take away from that. It's a new glory. And I'm telling you, what what Yahweh is doing is giving us the grace and the authority to walk over here. Like Jesus, Yeshua, Almighty God, and say, Papa, Father, not just Yahweh. And, that, and that's a crazy statement, right? Not just Yahweh. But if you're in this glory, it is. It's a, it's, it's a new step. It's a greater revelation. It's a greater, a greater authority and power. Yeshua never walked this earth and called him Yahweh. It was the greatness and Malka and the sovereignty of God that, in his image that led him to know who he was as Abba. And it's tough for a people. It really is. It's, it's tough for me too. It really is. I'm challenging myself to genu- genuinely use Abba. Doesn't mean I'm throwing Yahweh away. You're going to hear me say Yahweh. I say God sometimes, but I'm telling you the revelation I want in this heart is Abba, is Papa God, is my father. Not that Yeshua just covered me and he's an angry God waiting to smite me if, if, if Yeshua gets a little bit out of my way and I messed up. Bam. No, he's not like that. He's a good, good father and he loves me with the same love that he loves his son, Yeshua. 
It is Christ in me. One in the same. I know I'm preaching. Come on now. I woke up this morning preaching. I'm I'm preaching. Number two, ready to get messed up again? Number two is the way we see people. Most importantly, the way we see others. I saw something. This is the one that's going to probably mess some of you up, but it's, it's so true. It's so true. I saw this. Uh, someone had posted, and I was like, wow. Okay, that, that perspective is so simple yet so true. And there is... There is, there is venom being spewed from everybody out here. Not, not here, but yes, here too. But from the climate that we're in. Yeshua warned us of this. Beware of the leaven, of the political system and the religious system. He's, his last prayer was that we experience unity together. Not based on political views, race, religion, nothing else. That we experience the same unity that he and the Father experienced. That's what he prayed over us. But he also warned us to beware of that leaven that we allow to get in because it feels so good and so natural, but it's just another box. This post says, such a good reminder for us all and a heart check for me. Kamala is beloved. Donald is fearfully and wonderfully made. Mike is cherished, and Joe is important enough that Christ died for him. If you, hear me out, see see what I'm seeing here, because if you are going to be face-to-face with Abba, meaning my perspective is only through his eyes, First off, the way we see him was, the reason for that is Yeshua said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Be careful of any theology or any belief you have about God that you can't see in the life of Yeshua. When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And you've got a lot of people mad at God and, and have, a, have a skewed perception of God, but he, Jesus is cool. Like, Yeshua, he was love, and he was going after, like, the prostitutes and was all that kind of stuff. Like, he's, he's fine. But this God who's over here, the God of Job, who's just putting us through hell and just wants to smite us at every chance he gets, then that, that, that one I just can't get on board with. But Yeshua comes to be the image of God. He is God on earth, right? And so, so don't sit here, if you can't, if you have a wrong perspective of God, if you truly feel like Abba, like you don't have that revelation, you have the revelation more of a distant Yahweh kind of God that I just have not quite measured up, I, t- I just challenge you, go read the New Testament and watch the life of Yeshua and see what he goes after. He's going after more of the, of the idea that you aren't enough and going after more of the idea of the political and religious system, the pharisaical mindset that tells you that you're not enough. And we as believers, if we are looking through the eyes of Abba, then we have to see him correctly the same way when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Yeshua telling us, showing us this is the image of God that he wants on your heart and wants you to walk in that revelation of Abba. Then secondly, if we're looking through the eyes, we're not seeing a political view. 
We're not seeing a bias or, or, or what we believe is just right. Nothing wrong. Listen, I have political leans. I know where I stand. I know what I believe. I believe certain things are moral. I believe other things are immoral. But be honest with you, that's not my job on earth. And if I can't separate those things, I w- it would be better for me to completely get out of that world and not do anything with that and just stay right here until Yahweh shows me what he wants me to see. But we look through the eyes of Abba. We cannot just sit there and, and, and speak over situations based on how we feel and what we think they should be and what they think that we think they should look like. We need to stop praying against things and start praying for things. Stop praying against people and start praying for people. The kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. We have to trust that Yahweh has the answer and that his spirit will take care of everything else. If we just press into him and are able to, Yahweh, just show, what do you want me to pray over these people that truly I I don't get, I don't understand? They don't look like what I expect to be in that office. Well, I promise you, you know what? Neither did David. Neither did most of the people that you find in Scripture look like the person or do the things that they should have done to get in the place that they should be in. I'm going to tell you right now, I am one. There is nothing more slightly embarrassing but slightly fulfilling than to hear that one of my old high school friends found out that I was a pastor and was like, asked the person multiple times, like, you're talking about Mark, right? Mark Gerles, right? He's a pastor? Really? And it's, and listen, I'm, I wasn't this bad, just messed up, whatever, but I, I wasn't, this was not the path of righteousness I was on to be here to speak to you. But if he calls you, it doesn't matter what qualifiers you have. You'll never have to question again if you're in the right place or if you did the right things, or if you're doing the right things. He desires nearness. And so as sons and daughters, we need to look through the eyes of Abba and start to see people the way he sees people, no more than right now. No more than right now. You have about two weeks. I challenge you. I challenge you. Whatever party you're on, I want you to look the other way. And I want you to start to speak their names in the morning and say, Yahweh, enter into their hearts in the most miraculous way, not to shift the way that they think about politics or shift their, make their, that my world better. But I want you to just change the way that you, they think, just like you've changed the way that I think. I want there to be an increase of presence in their lives and in their families' lives that what comes out of them is, is this beautiful presence that they've been hidden in, that they don't know why, but they wake up in the middle of, of the night and feel like he's visited them. Like, what about that? What if somebody, the worst person you could think of, was fell asleep one night, woke up the next morning and said, something just changed in my heart. Something shifted. And I'm still liberal. Or I'm still Republican. 
He will change the way that you think and shift you into the place that you need to be. It's our job as believers, as image bearers of Christ to just show the love and show the care and show the heart that Christ showed. If you want to go after anything, if you want to speak against anything, I'm telling you, speak against the religious system. Speak against the religious system because nothing has plagued this generation worse than the, 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 the religious system. Nothing. And I, I feel like sometimes this is that open field thing where we start to lift our heads and see what we're supposed to be and who we're supposed to be, that we, that we start to realize that inside these four walls, sometimes it's cushy. And we can't see somebody like, you know, Pastor Chuck, you know, he, he's, a, he's an amazing believer, and this is a man I have surrounded. I got Jonathan Murner, I got Ben, I got Dustin, I got Zach, I got all these people surrounding me, and it's like, hey, we're good, we, we've got this. But what happens when you get out into a system and someone gets in your face? I'm going to tell you a story that happened to me just recently. Eva and I absolutely love this girl who works at this restaurant we go to a lot. She is... No, no question, a lesbian. And she is no question super rough around the edges and thinks completely differently than she and I think. And we absolutely love her. Yahweh put something in us to just like, I don't know, from the first time we met her, we just love her. And she, she randomly, randomly, <laughs> we decided to go to eat there and and she happened to be there and was just our server being how she always is. And she, she, looks, she looks us in the eyes and she, or I'm sorry, she, she saw Eva's tattoo. I'm sorry to break some of y'all's hearts. Eva does have a tattoo. <laughs> She's a sinner. I've been trying. <laughs> just kidding. But they saw her tattoo and it's, and it's the, uh, the Hebrew writing for Yahweh. And she was like, you know, what, what is that? Is that, uh, you know, what, what language? And Eva's like, oh, it's, it's Hebrew. And she didn't even get for God or whatever out. She just start. Paris just, uh, shoot, I shouldn't say her name. This girl starts saying, uh, saying to, to Eva, she's like, she's like, well, so are you Jewish? And she was like, no, I'm not Jewish. And she goes, and she was like, well, you know what? I, I did all that stuff. I was a part, I was raised in Georgia and we were Bible thumpers. And I used to just hate the idea. I used to make fun of people that were gay. I used to, I used to like just be so holy and mighty. And I was at every church service and I did all these things, but I'm going to tell you what, I can't agree with a God that does this and a God that does that. And I've been studying Hinduism and it was really the first religion and this, that, and the other. And let me quote this Bible scripture to you. And let me quote this Bible scripture to you. And let me tell you, I know more about the Bible than even you do. And we're sitting here like, (laughs) so are my, are my fries ready? Or are we, (laughs) this got deep real quick. And there was, but there was this, I was face to face with the, with the religious system. And someone who has, is completely broken and changed complete, complete course based on not finding any of the true nature of Yahweh Abba Father in church. And you can ask a lot of this generation, of the millennial generation, a lot of them in here shaking their heads, yes, of, of what is it that keeps 
them out of church? What keeps others, people that they know in this generation out of church? It's because the church has failed them completely. The church has an opinion of how it should look and how they should act and what they should do. And if it doesn't line up with that, then then you're done. And it's created this thing. I'll tell you, let me finish this story. I'll never get back to it. We, we got a couple words in, <laughs> but it, it fascinated me. What Yahweh started to speak to me about is like, you are called to shift the culture. Just like I sent Yeshua to say, when you've seen me, you've seen the father. I want my sons and daughters to image forth who I really am and how much I love her. When she hates me and I'm at, she's at her lowest point and she despises me, I love her with an unconditional love and I just want that heart and I want you to show forth who I really am. I want you to bear the image. In, in you is life. And that life is going to be the light that shines out this darkness you're experiencing. I don't need you to give her some perfect theology. I don't need you to give her some Bible scripture or combat her or tell her she's living wrong. I need you to continue to be life. Because what happens? We never told her we're pastors. We never, we never told her, went off on some uh, idea of what we think she's doing wrong and how things should, could change her. And if you just did this, everything would change. We just were life. We were just light. We were just who we always are. And we're starting to shift the, her mindset when she does find out, hey, Eva's a Christian. What she knows to be a Christian. That's not like, you didn't try to get me to come to your church. You didn't tell me the things I did wrong. And I think you're awesome. Maybe it's not what I think it is. And she's mad at a God that she doesn't believe exists. Think that one through. Huh? Oh, yeah. She says, Jesus is the, is, I'm good with him because he's, he's uh, the first hipster. That's her perspective on it, which I thought was kind of cool. But, uh, but she's, she doesn't believe in, in God, yet she's as mad as she can be at him. And there's something within all of us, even the ones that don't believe, that actually believe, that deep down know there's something. There is something that is drawing towards me. I came from something. And I can reason everything out, but there's something different about it. But what, what, we, what we start to do is we, is we create this idea. The, the third thing here that I'm going to, this is not, I'm, I know I'm reviewing. I didn't even mean to go off on this this much, but whatever, however, whenever, right? So the third thing being that if we're going to look through the eyes of the Father, if we're drawing near to him, which is literally as simple as raising your hands and saying, I love you, a surrendered heart. Stepping to that place, we're going to start to see, we have to shift the way we think about Yahweh, Abba. We have to shift the way we see people, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters. We have to, then we, the, the hardest one, I feel like for all of us to shift is this idea of ourself. Seeing him, or seeing you the way he sees you. Being able to be completely opened up because most of us want to change other people's life, but we don't want our life changed. 
And I don't mean financially. I mean where everything is exposed. Where the questions, where the doubt, where they're just not doing everything right is revealed. And he is able to come into that moment and change something. The, the leaven of the Pharisee, which we find out in Scripture that that is Hippocrates. Doesn't mean being a hypocrite when Yeshua is talking about it does not mean being saying one thing and then, you know, or believing one thing, saying you believe one thing and doing something completely different. What he's actually referring to is, was, uh, is not a negative term. Hippocrates was an actor changing mass to fit in a play. And this is what the, the leaven of the Pharisee and what religion has done to this generation is it's made you feel like you have to come in with a mask. Well, oh, it's church day. Here's my mask of, I'm, man, I've got, how are you? I'm good too. Man, everything's great. God is good. Right? He's good. He's good. He's good. All right, now I can go cry myself to sleep because my life is a wreck. Now I'm going to work. Well, you know, I, yeah, you know, I believe in God too. Yeah, but you're, you're right. Like, it's, it's, not, it's not the biggest thing in the world. It's, you know, yeah, he's there, but, you know, what, who, who cares? Yeah, I go to church on Sunday, but I don't really care. And you start to be this chameleon and have to put this mask off. And then you come back into church and like, oh, my gosh, he's the most amazing thing. Praise God. That's my life. Take it off again. And he's all right. Yeah, he's God. And I agree. You're right. Who, who knows? Who knows what's right? And, and, and within this place, we have to, or if, if, if you want to put it on me, I got to put on this face to be the good old leader and don't say anything challenging that's going to mess people up or that make people mad at you. Please don't talk about Donald Trump and please don't talk about politics and don't talk about pornography that's running rampant in our generation and destroying marriages and destroying families and killing people. Don't talk about drugs and alcohol and don't talk, about, uh, don't talk about that Yahweh loves them in spite of all of those things because then we lose control over the system we need and the box we need to check off to know if we can be okay with this person, if we can walk with this person. But I'm telling you, I can walk with a, with a waitress that is, that, that is confused about God confused about herself, without having to tell her exactly how she needs to be, I can walk because I believe that the life and light within me is going to start to change the way that she thinks. And I believe that the life and light within you is going to change the way that I think. And we have to be on a constant journey of shifting the way that we see people, shifting the way that we see things, or what is the point? Remove the mask. Be real. Like, let's, let's be a house that's real. And if you're struggling with something, I'm here. I'll talk to you. If I'm struggling with something, I pretty much usually throw it out there to you anyways. <laughs> Regret it later. But let's be, let's be, this is why we are a tribe. This is why we are a family. We can be real. We can expose ourselves to the light. And we can walk together. Remove the mask in every situation. If you set the Lord before you, you're going to have to start to say, this mask does not exist in this world, and I have to see myself as you see me, which is a son. Which is a daughter, which is an image bearer. 
So if you have that perspective of, you, it's not just saying you're a son. Holy Spirit really put it on my heart to talk about something that I don't even know if I'm going to get to. But it kind of goes in this whole thing, so we'll just throw it in there. I absolutely can't stand this phrase or two words that are put together, and yet Holy Spirit's put it on my heart. <laughs> spiritual maturity. Because the way that I've known spiritual maturity to be, or at least the way that I pursue, perceive spiritual maturity, like I'm just a little baby. <laughs> Every time someone says, it's the mature sons, it's these people that are mature, it's the mature, I, I feel like I'm immediately kind of sink back and like, well, what exactly does that mean? What exactly does that look like? How am I supposed to come into spiritual maturity? And I, I want to read this out of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. If you have your Bible, I'm reading the Passion Translation, but I think you can follow along in anything. I started to say uh, a couple weeks ago whenever I was um, speaking here, it was a crazy weird service that was just, I, I, had to, I had to get myself okay with myself and just trust Yahweh because he, Holy Spirit came in and kind of wrecked my plans on that service. I got to a point of where I was going to speak something. I started to speak it and immediately fell the check of like, nope, that's all I wanted to say, thankfulness now. Head on out. Don't need, a, don't need a word, don't need to keep going. And it, but it was this really wild, like crazy feel. But one of the things that, uh, that I started to speak about that I didn't explain, and, and, and the reason that I was so messed up is from the baptism, I felt like that whole presence, just it just came with me. And it stayed with me. And it's constantly challenging me, but, it's, but I, I was emotional. I could not speak like I normally can speak. I, just was, I was just all like... I, I made Jonathan stay up here with me for an hour and a half and just kind of figure it out while he's playing. And, um, but I, I started to reference what a lot of, uh, that a lot of people in that baptism, you'll notice that they were, they wanted to be baptized forward. You saw a lot of people being baptized forward. And uh, I never explained it, I realized. Like the this the idea of that, why they asked for that was they heard a revelation that Apostle Damon um, spoke about, which I got to see him this past weekend. Evan, I got to go to Mobile and celebrate at the gates of Zion 30 years uh, in ministry with Apostle Aaron and Miss Robbie. And it's, it's great, great, great to see family that aren't just, you know, that you don't see all the time, but to be a reminder that you have family outside of just here. The other reminder that we got is there's no place like home. You know, like we, we have family, there's family in California and Georgia and Alabama, there's uh, Canada, Poland, there's family all over, but there's, but there's only one home for us. And we're thankful to be rooted and joined to this tribe and this house and this land. It's like the man who found a treasure in a field and sold it all. That's, we genuinely feel like this is our treasure, that this land, that you, that where we are is our treasure. And we're so thankful to be joined to this house. But we did celebrate with them and it was great to see uh, uh, Apostle Damon and a lot of his sons and, and then Apostle Aaron and Miss Robbie, Jordan, and Josh, and all of them. I love them. They are such family to me, and we rejoice with them in 30 years of ministry. Um, where was I going with that? See, y'all got me off. 
Right, see, I almost missed the whole story again. <laughs> Damon. So he had this revelation of, of when you're baptized forward, it's a, it's a term called weothesia. And that terminology is, it's a, it's, it was a Hebraic tradition where the, the father would take his son at the age of 30. And if he felt like that son had come into what he believed was maturity, he would go and baptize him forward in the water as a demonstration, not from death to life per se, though that's, there's so much power in that. But this was an image of, I am, I'm baptizing you into the fullness of the representation of me so that Hebrew son at that point could wear the signet ring. He had all authority to act on the father's behalf. He was an image bearer of his father. And Damon believed that that's actually what was happening when Yeshua came to John, the baptizer, and he said to him uh, that you got to baptize me. He said, I'm not worthy to baptize you. I'm not worthy to, to hold the sandals that you walk in. I, I, you should be baptizing me. And, and Yeshua said the term, which I always talk about, day. He activated it, day, which is to be divinely necessary. He said, so be it now that it is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, he said, dunk my head in the water because I'm about to change the world. And he's, he's wanting, he's, he's giving, he's, what, we're, what we're doing here is he's baptizing him into the identity as he represents the Father. That you are being baptized into acting on my behalf. And this is a lot of the reason why afterwards he, he gets up and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring the good news, to bring, to bring, uh, to bring up the poor, to restore sight to the blind. He, he, he came into this idea of he was anointed to do this. This is why I, I had Eva anoint us as we walked out of the water. If you were baptized backwards, if I tripped and kind of fell with you sideways in the water, if I dunked you upside down, it does not matter. If you tripped and fell into the water and we bless that, you you were baptized into the image and the fullness and the goodness of Yahweh. I believe what we're coming into now is being image bearers that are going to actually be cultural shifters. Not words and not good ideas. This is representing the love that we found in open fields. You understand? Like, I'm, I'm not just, I don't want that to sound like, well, okay, now we're cultural shifters. Well, let me just read and then we'll get into that. Spiritual maturity. Let's start in verse 1. Chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. You with me? Good. My brothers and sisters, when I first came to proclaim to you the secrets of God, I refused to come to you as an expert, trying to impress you with my eloquent speech and lofty wisdom. I... Holy Spirit, I had no idea y'all were going to sing that song this morning, and I had no intention of reading this scripture until pretty much I got here this morning. Spiritual maturity, but I, I love how this thing kind of goes right in line with that. More than words and more than good ideas, I'm telling you, Holy Spirit is highlighting that for somebody in here or for this tribe. More than words, more than good ideas. You can find his love in open fields. My brothers and sisters, when I first came to proclaim to you the secrets of God, I refused to come as an expert, trying to impress you with my eloquent speech and lofty wisdom. For while I was with you, I was determined to be consumed with one topic, Jesus, the crucified Messiah. I stood before you feeling inadequate, filled with reverence for God and trembling under the sense of the importance of my words." 
The message I preached and how I preached, it was not an attempt to sway you with persuasive arguments, but to prove to you the almighty power of God's Holy Spirit. For God intended that your faith not be established on man's wisdom, but by trusting in the almighty power. And I believe that this is the representation we're called to bring to the culture. The power of Holy Spirit. As many are as led by Holy Spirit, these are the sons of God. The litmus test for if you are a son of God is, are you falling into the trust? Are you falling back into this place that says, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, fill me, and I trust that my steps are ordered by you. I trust that you're guiding me, and an, an appointment with somebody is not just a it happenstance. A, a meeting at a restaurant is not just, you remember I started to prophesy not that long ago. I keep talking about divine appointments, which somebody give me a better term that's not so churchy, but a Holy Spirit led meeting that he set an appointed time that you didn't just happen to go there. You didn't just happen to come into, not if you're a vessel for his glory. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, for the king of glory wants to come through you. So we have to see ourselves as image bearers. Yeshua came to change the culture. They thought he came to save their political system, to fix everything and make everything hunky-dory. I don't know that things got too much better except for the fact that he changed the way some people thought. It's the reason you and I are sitting in here preaching Yeshua today. It's the reason that we have the opportunity to be led by the Spirit. Verse 6 says, However, there is a wisdom that we continually speak of when we are among the spiritually mature. Now, uh, Dr. Simmons' footnote in 2.6 says, The word spiritually mature there actually means or those who have reached perfection. Those who have reached perfection. Who's perfect? Who wants to stand up? Get up. Who's perfect? That's what I'm talking about. What's the word perfect mean? Complete. It's why Yeshua came in to complete you. You complete me. He completes you. So when there's inadequacies, when you haven't made it right, when you're not feeling it, he's complete. And so you're complete. It's this relationship. He doesn't expect you to have it completely figured out and have, have every I dotted and every T crossed. He expects to have someone with an honest enough heart to open up and say, let's walk together. I got you in this. I know, I know you tripped up. I got you. I understand you had doubt. I understand you questioned. It doesn't change my love for you. It doesn't change that. That's why I'm here. I don't want to come in here. That's why he couldn't stand the political system or the, the Pharisees, the religious system, is because they thought they had it all figured out. It's his disciples in Matthew said, said what, who is the greatest in the kingdom? Best picture in the world. This is what Yeshua does. Hey, son, come here. Little boy jumps up in his lap, little girl. These, unless you change. That's what he says. He doesn't just say unless you become like children. He says unless you change. He's talking about unless you change the way you think. He's not talking, you remember, he's not talking about the sinners right here. He's talking about men who are following with him. 
Tenure does not get you into spiritual maturity. Right? Because you've been here for 50 plus years or you've been here for 15 years or you've been here for five years or you've walked in the faith and you can quote all this scripture better than I can, which I promise you, so many of you can. He's saying, look, I know you're walking with me. I I know you left everything to walk with me. I know you still haven't figured out why you're walking with me, but you're faithful, but I'm still gonna tell you unless you change the way that you're thinking. Unless you're willing to, even in this day where you're walking right here with me, still be tender enough to shift course with me and change the way that you think and become like children who are perfect because when they come to this planet, they're not tainted with all this belief by religion and the world system telling them that they're not enough and they have to check all these things off. When he created you perfect and he comes in to complete you and everything that you have. Like you do not have to worry about these things yet. As churches, we do preach the righteousness, which is imputed by the way. Not a form and a list. Like I get it, morals. And I believe that we should walk and we should walk as standards and we should have you know foundational things that we believe. I'm all for that. But it's not a deterrent for me walking with somebody. It's not a deterrent for me pointing them towards a source. It's not a deterrent from the nearness that he wants to experience. Who are the greatest of these in the kingdom? Well, disciples, unless you change the way that you think and become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom. not based on tenure. It's based on the burning ones. It's based on, are you spiritually mature? It depends. Are you burning more today than you were yesterday? Are are you spiritually mature? Are you tender? Are you willing to go out in your lawn and just raise your hands and say, Yahweh, I want more? more. I just, I love you. I don't care about all the revelations and everything else. I know it's Tuesday at three 30, but I just want the simplicity of, I love you. I just want the simplicity of hand to hand, face to face, and just find the joy unspeakable, full of glory. I want to just walk in abundance of your love and presence. And I don't care if my situation doesn't get better. As long as this heart within me and this presence within me starts to rise up and I feel a joy, I can't explain and a peace that passes understanding. If you're feeling those things, and you're walking in the path of spiritual maturity, not because you can quote a scripture and not because you've been here. That right there is the spirit of the Pharisee that tells you you've qualified yourself. He qualifies you. You don't qualify yourself. I'm not qualified to stand here, but through him, I'm qualified. I'm spiritually completely mature. Verse 7 says, instead, we continually speak of the wonderful wisdom that comes from God, hidden before now in mystery. It is his secret plan destined before the ages to bring us now into glory. None of the rulers of this present world order understood it. Let me go back. I want to start. Let me read 6 again. However, there is a wisdom that we continually speak of when we are among the spiritually mature. It's wisdom that, do, that didn't originate in this present age, nor did it come from the rulers of this age, which are in the process of being dethroned. Yeah, 
today. I always like to throw that word in here. I'm reading it today, so it's vital for today. Instead, we continually speak of this wonderful wisdom that comes from God hidden before now in mystery. It is his secret plan destined before the ages to bring us into his glory, his goodness. None of the rulers of this present world order understood it, for if they have, they never would have crucified the Lord of shining glory. This is why the scripture says, things never discovered or heard of before, things beyond our ability to imagine, these are the many things God has in store for all of his lovers. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor entered into the heart of man the things he has planned for those who love him. That's what that scripture says. And uh, this is one of those things that just that blows me away all the time when I think about if I, 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 I demand to understand things sometimes, I, I want to know where I'm at. I'm complaining to my wife sometimes about being anxious about where we at or where, where we at. about where we're at with, you know, whatever it might be. And I, I mean, I, I'm a human being and I walk the same way. I'm not just some perfect pastor except through him. But I, I you know, and I, and I go through these things and what challenge, challenges me all the time because I can't see how this thing will work out. But the scripture says, no eye has seen nor ear has heard. So if I'm satisfied with understanding, I'm missing the glory that's to come. That's the mystery of the kingdom is the fact that his goodness is so good. His plan for you is so good that you couldn't even imagine it. In your deepest, greatest imagination and you're the most intellectual person that could think of the future of their lives couldn't do it. You'd be settling for less. There's your mystery of the kingdom, his goodness. <laughs> His goodness. The mystery of the kingdom is his goodness and the plans he has for you. No eye has seen nor ear has heard nor entered into the heart of man the plans he has for your life. That's the mystery Paul talks about here. It's good stuff right there. <clears throat> There's a lot more good in here, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump ahead real quick to verse 14. Someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelation of God's spirit. For, for they make no sense to him. He can't understand the revelations of the spirit because they are only discovered by the illumination of the spirit. Meaning that there are things within your heart that will only be discovered when they're illuminated by the spirit. There are things within your purpose, within your being, with who you're designed to be that you will never ever discover without the presence of Holy Spirit to reveal those things to you. And we have to come into this place of saying, that's a trust thing. That's a being led by the Spirit. That is completely going into the utter, I just trust you completely, Yahweh. I'm going to be led by the Spirit. Along that path, you start to get things revealed and illuminated in your life that you didn't even know you could do. You didn't know you could walk the way. You didn't know you had that wisdom. Guess what? You don't, but He does. And if you subject yourself to this world like the scripture is talking about here, you won't be able to make sense of this path. If you refuse to, to trust that we are, are spirit-filled beings, that we are spirit beings at the core of us, we are spirit. 
that we were designed in spirit and that we walk in spirit and it is being revealed within us. If you don't believe that, then you'll never walk, understand this path that other believers that are full of spirit actually walk in. If you just wear the mask of church and don't actually walk in the life of Yeshua, then you won't ever discover the true authenticity of what the kingdom was designed to be. He's illuminating things within us. He's illuminating things within me. I'm telling you that you could not, I, I, I have not been qualified to be, I do not have these words. I hate public speaking. To this day, I get nervous about it. But I can always know, and I'm, I will tell you that one of the things that, that, that I'm convinced of is that he's Abba. He ain't going to let me come up here and fail. And I would have never called myself to this. And so I can trust him fully. And I believe that no matter what you're in, it doesn't matter if you're in ministry, you all are in ministry. And that's what, I'm going I'm to wrap up with this. This, this. this thing right here where Yeshua comes and he talks to his disciples. For the longest time, he called them disciples. But then he came to a place of calling them apostles. Call the wild people. Are you getting fired up? They know. They know what's coming. But he came to this place of calling them apostles. And the first time he talks to them about being apostles is when he sends them out to go out. And he says, he says, go into the households and say, repent, which we know is metanoia. Repent. Tell them to repent for the kingdom is at hand. And what he tells them, it, what will be the, the uh, identifiers, he first tells them to, to, uh, to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons, and then tell them to change the way that you think for the kingdom is at hand. Wait, hold up. Like, theoretically or literally, the kingdom is about power, and I believe that we as anointed ones are going to start to walk into a power that truly, truly changes things. We don't, stop hiding behind the excuse of that, this, that, we're, that, that that's not what it's meant to be, that the kingdom doesn't have power. Holy Spirit is power, and that thing is pulsing through our veins. It's just that we have this veil over our eyes that makes us believe that that's not true. So we don't come into the place of being bold before situations and knowing exactly who we were designed to be. What he says then is he calls them his apostles. What is an apostle? We've known it to be one thing, which is a father. It is a father, and there is a role, but there's also an anointing, an apostolic anointing, that this is an apostolic house. Let me tell you what that means. The, the term apostle comes from the Romans. Now, it was a Greek word. The Romans made it famous because what they, what you know the term that says, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. The reason you say that is because the, the way of Roman conquering is when they'd go into a city, they wouldn't just come with their mighty armies and just destroy everything and then, you know, set up shop. What they did is they killed all those that were leaders and they would come in with, uh, with people that, that rode in that were, that were uh, artists, that were linguists, that uh, food people. They would, they they, they did everything that was from their culture and they'd have these people come in and they would take the people that were there and they would saturate them with the idea of this is how life should be. 
They saturated them in their culture so that now you're in Rome. This is do as the Romans do. This is how you're supposed to be. So he, so he says, so what he's, he's saying there, so the, the people that rode and did that, the leaders that would come in and change the culture of the people, they were referred to as apostles. So what Yeshua is saying to his disciples in this moment is it's time to change the culture to change the world, to not be the culture of the earth, but to be the culture of the kingdom. And these people that are going to change the culture are going to be called apostles. He's referring to them as cultural shifters. And it's what we are anointed to do. Have, have, Have I changed the way that you thought about things? Then I have an apostolic anointing. I'm of a new age, but I have an apostolic anointing. But guess what? We were all equipped to walk in an apostolic anointing and we stop seeing ourselves as our own. We start to see that I'm an, ap- I'm, an, I'm an apostle in this earth, that I'm here to change the way people think about what? About Yahweh, Abba, Almighty God, about the love and the light that we show forth and not our politics and not our biases, but the true love of Yahweh, the goodness of God. I am here to represent a good, 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 amazing father. That loves me, but he also loves you. Not, I can't explain everything to you, but I can tell you what I walk in. And you're going to feel it when you walk next to me. And the power of, uh, of those ones that are convinced of where they come from and who they are is going to start to shift this culture around us. We're going to stop looking at ourselves and thinking of Yahweh as a fix to help us get through life and make things better and our 401k being comfortable and everything being all right and no pandemics and no hurricanes and no nothing and the right people in office and we do all these things and my life is great and we start to say, no, I've got a greater call, a higher call that I'm called to transform the culture around me, to change the way that people think. It's time to repent repent because why? The kingdom's at hand. What's that mean? The kingdom is accessible today. The kingdom is so near that it's like me standing right here next to Jeff. Closer than that, but I'm not getting any closer to Jeff. (laughs) He don't want me to either. Do you believe it? Do you feel that cultural shift of spiritual maturity coming into you to to realize like it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been here. It doesn't matter how little you've been here. Keyshawn, my man right here. Some of the most spiritually mature people that you could ever find are those that just entered into the kingdom. They're like the children. That's why you need to change and become like children. They're the freshness of God. They believe that they can conquer anything. They believe that he's so good that if, a, uh, if uh, despite everything that I've done, if a man can come and change my life like that, named Yeshua the Christ, then, this is, then, then I'll sell everything I have to walk with this. That's the most beautiful picture of spiritual maturity. The problem is, is that we start to become spiritually dumb because of religion. They're, they're spiritually mature until then they get in the, in the church to sit there and say, well, Keyshawn, let me t- ask you something now. Can you quote scripture to me? Have you, uh, did you, did you drink the other day? Did you, 
Did you trip up at all? You know, what, what, what's, what's going on with you? You need, to, you need to come here and let me make sure you're qualified to walk because we're spiritually mature and you're not quite there. No, he does what I did to you that day when you felt the presence of Yahweh. He comes and puts you in his seat with a ring and a robe because he doesn't need a qualification. You're a son, period. It's the goodness, it's the kindness of God that leads men to change the way that they think. And I believe that there's a people willing to allow themselves to change the way that they think so that they can walk in the goodness and the glory and actually shift things around us. Because I'm going to tell you something, the other way has not worked. So it's game time. It's time to understand when you walk into a restaurant, you're not your own. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors. Not because you want to be a good person, but the king of glory, the king of goodness wants to flow through you and pulse into the culture of this earth because it's heaven to earth, not a better version of earth. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Pastor Ben, we come... Amen. Let's lift our hands. Yahweh, Abba, we come before you again today in honor and reverence just for who you are. Your presence is enough. And we just lean in more to your presence through your son who you gave for the cosmos to be returned back to the Father. That's really the whole point of this whole entire thing. We thank you for this message to um, for us to meditate on this through the week and go back and rehearse and listen to what you have spoken through the oracle. Today, the leader of this house, we honor Mark and the word that he spoke today. We thank you for the revelation that's on it and your spirit, most of all, that covers it and that um, helps it minister to each and every one of us in our way that we know how to get it and that we lean into fully what you have for us in that. And we honor you in this day. We bless you for this beautiful day you've given us, for this is truly the day you've made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Bless you guys. Thank you for listening. For more information on The Rock of Bay County, please go to therockofbc.org.